I'm Bridget Trong. And I'm Tom Yanni. In this glossy social media era, we see the filtered, polished version of life. But let's face it, life can get messy. We're not polished, and neither are you. Let's get comfortable with being uncomfortable. This truly is how to spark creativity when there is none. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. So yesterday I put out a call to action on Instagram asking people to submit questions, anything, any question related to life, love, human struggles, anything that they want some hard truth to. And we went through them. We picked one question. Tom, what is it? I actually don't remember what it was. Because <laughs> <laughs> you told Great me. Start. But I... Great start. Okay. So the question is from... To at, incite at, creativity and... Yes. Go on. You're on it. You're on it. Um, it was from at Allison Sharp. How do you spark imagination and creativity? It's kind of a loaded question. Yeah. I mean, not an, not an easy thing necessarily. But here's the thing. I would say that the best way to spark anything is to put yourself in a state where that will come to be. So go to a creative space or go to somewhere that inspires you or go to somewhere that incites imagination or be around people that are super imaginative or creative or read about things that are related to that topic. That's the thing. You can kind of change your state based on... Um, who you're with, what you listen to, what you populate your mind with, um, your environment. So if I want to be inspired, I need to be around inspiring people or I need to hear inspiring things. If I want to be super creative and I'm in a block, then um, another thing you might want to do is do something to break through that, like go for a run or go lift weights for 30 minutes and just get a rush of endorphins and get your blood flowing and get your heart pumping and give yourself a chance to sort of like flush out whatever is creating some blockage there. And then again, go back to something that's a little bit more creative or um, I think it's about your state. No matter what you want in life, you can find a way to get into that state if you surround yourself with the right people, with the right environment, um, that would be my tip that whatever you're seeking, you got to go and find that around you, find it in your life. It's all of these things are all around us. It's mm -hmm. all available. So where do you go to, to find it? That's up to the individual, but um, go and find something out there. Go and find people or things or whatever that will bring that out of you and cultivate it within you. Have you ever been in like a terrible mood? And then you never have... <laughs> No. What are you talking about? But have you ever been in a bad mood? And then there's, like a certain person that walks through the room and they're just like, bridge. Yeah. Just like, ah, boom, just change your state. Just like that. All of a sudden you went from being super down to like their energy is just palpable and you, you can feel it and you're like, yes. And it's contagious. Kind of ride that wave. Yeah. It's totally. all contagious. Totally. So if you're with somebody that is a super creative type and they're really imaginative and they think outside the box and they've got lots of interesting ideas and have you ever thought about this? then that will help spark that within you. That will help mm -hmm. kind of pull that from you. If you're with somebody that's like, I don't know, um, you're not going to have much creativity in that environment. Or patience, really. Sure. So. No, I agree with that. You know what helps me from time to time? Actually, what really helps me is visualization. Oh, that's huge. Massive. <clears throat> it's hard, though. 
And but go on. It is hard. I, I don't think it's hard to think of things you want in your life or contextually where you want to be in your life. And that's all part of visualization is dreaming of something that you think will contribute to your life in some way or some idea of what you, you want your life to look like. And I think st- when you start from there, you can become super imaginative in terms of where you want to go, what you want to be, what you want to be doing. But it starts with visualization. I think that's a that's always like a good way to a, a good jumping off point. So I got actually a really, I think a good story. You can tell me if, it's, if it is. I love stories, <laughs> especially when they're good. No, it's about a guy named Roger Bannister. So Roger Bannister was the first man to ever run a sub four minute mile. And for the longest time, for centuries, people thought it was physically impossible for a human being, that the human body just could not do it, that we couldn't pump blood to our muscles in a fashion that would allow us to get, like, it just seemed to be impossible. So how did he do it? He actually used to visualize all the time. He would mentally spend four minutes running a mile in his mind over and over and over and over again. And um, he was the first one to do it, but I I forget the actual number, but after he broke that record, there was something like 26 people that broke it within the next two years or so. Wow. So what does that tell you? It tells you that there was a huge mental block across the consciousness of the entire world to say like, we can't do this. But as soon as one person did it, you're like, oh, that's doable? Mm-hmm. Then the floodgates open and a whole bunch of people did it. And that is a total that's glimpse really into cool. the psyche of humanity to say that we are really a product of our thoughts and our products of what we believe is possible. Mm-hmm. And if you think something is impossible, you won't do it. There's another great line from Henry Ford that says, whether you believe you can or can't, you're right. Yes. And that's a brilliant line, too, because it's like, if you think you can't do it, then you don't take any action, and there's not going to really be anything that comes from that. You just kind of quit before you start. Mm -hmm. But if you really believe within every fiber of your body that it's possible, and you are just determined, and you will not give up, and you persevere, and you're just like, no, I'm doing this, then that's how the Wright brothers put a plane in the air. Or that's how Henry Ford transformed the world from everyone riding on horses to... Everyone, when you look out the window right now, there's cars everywhere. That was an impossibility at one point. People thought he was nuts. You're going to have a car for everyone? Are you crazy? No way. Never, never in a million years would that ever be possible. Right? It's the people that are actually willing to dream big. When um, In 1960, when JFK said, we're going to put a man on the moon inside this decade. That was... They, I, I saw a documentary on this. The people at NASA were like what are you doing? (laughs) Like, (laughs) what are you doing, President Kennedy? Like, what? Like, we are not close. And you're saying that within 10 years, we're going to make this happen. But that applies a certain level of pressure. And then everybody gets singularly focused on one task and pour all of their energy and resources into that. And they did it in 69, as long as you don't believe the conspiracy theorists. I was just going to bring that <laughs> I thought up. You might, so I was going to bring up like the zeitgeist of that time. One of my favorite quotes ever, Napoleon Hill's, if you can believe and conceive, you can achieve. And that's where I kind of go back to visualization is just sitting there and conceiving some kind of an idea. Somehow your brain can connect the dots and create some kind of roadmap for you to get there. Because we always worry about how. How do we get from point A to point B? Yeah. But we have point A in mind because we could 
potentially be living it right now. And point B is where we want to get to. Yeah. And I feel like that gap that we have to fill is always the most intimidating part. Yes. But if we're confident in point B, the rest will kind of follow if we just continue to visualize it and then hopefully take the plan or the course of action to get there. Okay, so that's a great point. Because I was just thinking this when you brought up visualization too. I think that um, like in my younger years when I was uh, fairly competitive with sports, I did a ton of visualization. We were taught this and we read sports psychology books and stuff like that to, to help you get prepared for, for games and whatnot. And the problem that a lot of people have with visualization is you only focus on the end result, mm-hmm. but you don't fill in those gaps in between like you were just mm-hmm. talking about. Because it's daunting. And you might just not necessarily know, like you might not, you might not know, but it does require time and thought and just sort of going through the process. And as you go through that process, then you'll become better and better at filling in the gaps of how you get from A to B. So if you start with that bold vision and then start working backwards, well, what would it, what would it take to get to this step or this step before I can get to that step? And you start mapping out the different things that need to take place before you can actually achieve that goal, which is actually a good segue into today's topic of real estate because we could help people maybe put together a little roadmap of the different considerations that come into buying a home. Because I remember we were just talking a moment ago before we started this that Karen and I bought a a home sort of uh, Labor Day weekend 2017. And like six months before that, it was not on our radar whatsoever. We just happened to find a good deal and things came together in the right way and it happened. But mm-hmm. never in a million years. Like I remember even like 2015, I was like, I'll never be able to own a place because it just seemed impossible. And I feel like there's so many people that probably feel the exact same way because it's a little bit crazy out there. But it's it is possible. It's terrible out there. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So we can get into it. Well... The topic of conversation um, came up recently because I'm going through a pretty crappy breakup. And so I'm, I've been looking for a place, renting. I'm not owning yet. Yeah. But I've been looking and Tom, the rental prices are insane. And the average condo unit you're finding in the city of Toronto, especially the new builds, are, if you're lucky, 500 square feet. But it's usually around 460 square feet, which is, it's like two, two of these rooms right now that we're sitting in. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I was telling you, the burners, you only get two burners on a stove. They're building more and more condos, making the units smaller because the demand is there. It's not going anywhere. So and they can tax more then. The more units, tax the more. more individuals have to pay taxes. And a lot of the new condos that are actually going up in the city are rental units only. But my God, Tom, we're looking at, let's say, 460 square foot condo. Junior one bedroom is usually what they call it. Junior one Junior bedroom. Junior one bedroom because it's That's not, hilarious. it's so small that you can't fit. You very- marketing <laughs> bums, no. get out of here with okay. this. So you get like a sliding Junior. door to separate the room. From- we know what that means. We, we're not idiots. Well, sometimes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I chose that relationship with made me an idiot. I'm kidding. So the, sorry. So the room is divided the bedroom and the condo living room slash kitchen are divided with sliding doors mainly. Yeah. Um, so that makes it one bedroom. 
versus a bachelor. So bachelors are going for... When you go into something like that, and they're like, the sliding doors really opens it up. <laughs> like, it's get like, out of here, you... It's an open concept. Right. <laughs> so um, bachelors are going for, let's say, like $1,800, $1,900. And then um, the one bedrooms are usually around 2100 But that's a junior. Like an actual one bedroom with a comfortable size layout between twenty-two and twenty-four hundred. It's you, outrageous. It's that nuts. is outrageous. <laughs> it's actually Are you offensive. Being facetious? No. It's fucked. It pisses me off. I think it's yeah, absolutely I, ridiculous that they just okay. It's bonkers. So I've spent. Before we I've, could, okay, sorry, go on. I've, go. I'm sorry. I'm just in rage right now. Know, You're really I'm getting me worked up. I've seen like close to ten units in the past five days. All of which look the same. They have nothing to offer. A lot of these new condos, too, do not include water. So you know how water is usually covered in your rent? And you have to pay for hydro. Sometimes your heat is covered. Yeah. But now, water is not covered. Um, Heat is. Hydro is not. Sometimes, with a lot of new builds, you have to rent uh, a pump. Like a heating pump. Right. So that's another, like, 100 bucks on top of your rent. Like a hot water pump. Yeah. So you still have to pay for heat, but then you have to pay for the pump. Or you can just have cold water at all times. Which, I mean, it's been pretty hot, so that's not that bad. That's how you cut cost. Thanks for that tip. A little tricky from November to March. But it's bonkers. I mean, when you're living in the city, if you are freelancing, if you're starting your business now, it's hard to manage all of that cost plus your living expenses. Yeah. Be comfortable save for a house one day, go on those vacations. It's just a lot at once. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. It definitely is. So um, the first thing is in this. Okay. So the city of Toronto is a little bit, something is a bit off because let's be honest, they just grant builders licenses left, right and center to put up these massive condo properties and there's condos on condos on condos everywhere Mm -hmm. right like everywhere you look there's a new condo build happening we're just a little bit north of liberty village around there there's a huge one at king and like joe schuster basically that massive building i went there that's the one so um two burners i literally went in and i'm like um where am i supposed to fit my couch and she asks uh you can probably fit like a two-seater in that corner right i'm like did you just answer my question with a question that that you know the answer to also <laughs> which is a hard no 2245 yeah they can go f themselves yeah i'm sure they have um and then on strawn there's like two or three giant anyways i don't need to go through them. they're everywhere yeah. but um how are they just allowing massive buildings to go up everywhere and then they're just putting in tiny units at inflated prices and smiling about it like ridiculous ridiculous it's out it's out of control you can't just continue to do that it's not sustainable who are the people that are long long term able to afford all of these things who are the people living in i don't know this is like i have a friend that's living in china and she would say like you guys are lucky because apparently in china um you know like 400 square feet would be a palace in some places and it would cost an arm and a leg so i guess there's it's all relative but this is Something that is getting a little bit out of hand in in Toronto, I would say. And so the vacancy rate is less than one percent now. Yeah. So, in terms of sustainability, I don't think the market's going to crash. There's still a very high demand for tiny shoe boxes to live in. 
because you're paying for convenience essentially when you're living in a big city like Toronto you're paying to be close to everything to have access to everything um opportunities that you don't get in like rural areas so people see the sacrifice they have to make in their bank accounts to kind of make up for it in other ways there's so many people that are coming into the city that you know there's going to be people that can afford it and then it prices out a whole lot of people that would love to live here but just can't afford it yeah totally so it's uh i don't know i just don't love the fact that they're putting up buildings everywhere with tiny units inflating prices getting extra tax dollars from all of these extra units and then smiling about it and if you can't afford it too bad sort of thing it's tough can i just say to everyone out there who's just rushing in to move in with their significant others don't take your time if you (laughs) have a good spot especially if you're in a place where you've been for a period of time i was mentioning this to you before we started here too that karen and i first moved to the city in 2015 and we had about a 850 square foot place that had two levels it was a pretty nice place it was great yeah it was super functional very roomy and um that was 1670 and by the time we left it was still 1670 and it never went up the whole time we were there and man i wonder what they're renting that for now it's probably like 2600 or 2700 or something like that it's insane well i saw a really great place yesterday on the east end and i walked in there's something about energy I pick it up easily. I guess most people do, but I'm all about what my contextual energy is. So I walk in and I'm like, whoa, it's an older building. You, it's a French quarter vibe. That's what the building's based on. And I get this just New York, Brooklyn or Lower East Side kind of vibe when I walked in. So there's Juliet balconies, French doors. It's a bigger layout because it's an older apartment. Um, and it was a good deal, two thousand dollars. So I was like, but, "This is a great, great deal." I feel like there's a butt coming. But <laughs> there's always a butt when it comes to real estate. You can't have it all. You can't but complete your checklist. You have to survive with this raccoon family who happens to live in the bathroom. What is it? I mean, I wish. Walked <laughs> okay. out with my real estate agent, and it was just—I guess it's a dodgier area. I saw this woman butt naked beside the dumpster. Like in the back alleyway. How close to the unit? Literally, uh, well, it was downstairs at the building. Like there's a garbage dump. Okay. And she was behind there with this man who looked like he's had a year um, in a pipe. And I was Oof. like, oh, I'm probably going to use this dumpster for the reasons that it's there for. I can't live here. She was naked. So I'm thinking, if I'm going to be living by myself and walking home at night, I don't know if I want to be running into crack Did pipes. the rest of the area look super sketch? Uh, well, it was on Jarvis. Hmm. I'm not so, as familiar with oh. the East End. Um, it's weird. Just to the right of the building, yes. To the left, financial district, no. Literally, uh, if you just, I don't know, took two steps to the right, you'd hit like a sketchier part of town. What if you just like, pull a Zoolander and only turn left? I can't do it. I'm such a wuss. <laughs> never look right. I can't do it. So you can't in Toronto or I'm sure any major city, it's hard to find a place that ha- well has everything you're looking for, if not close to it. So Tom, you've obviously <clears throat> gone through the process of finding a great home in the city. Yeah. So I, right now you're just kind of like, ah, right? Just like, come on. This is ridiculous. How am I going to find a spot? That's kind of... No. Right no? now I'm more like, why? <laughs> 
So that was an elevated. Yeah. Um, that kind what of I was doing times ten, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make things more accurate for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So first, let's get some perspective. You got a pretty damn good life. No. I'm kidding. I'm um, totally kidding. I know. Here's okay. So first of all, if like four years ago, me was sitting next to me and heard me right now, he'd probably just be like, shut up, Tom, telling me how to do this. Like, it's way harder than you make it sound. I don't need to hear it. Like, whatever sort of thing. So for anyone listening, that's like, get out of here, Tom. I don't need to hear how to make this work. It doesn't work or like it's never going to. I get it. I do get it. I have lived that and I have felt that. So for anyone that is open-minded about different things that can be done, little baby steps that can be taken on a day-to-day basis to put you in a better position to, to one day own a home, that's maybe something that we can talk about quickly now. So the first thing is, let's just set the table a little bit and get real for a moment. In our parents' generation, for, for baby boomers, it cost them, I don't know, $5,000 to go to school, five to 10,000 tops. And then they would get a job that would pay like 10 to 20,000 to buy a home that was like 80 to 140,000. The math was pretty good. Like if you, the, to be fair, interest rates were crazy at that time. I don't know if you've ever talked to your parents about interest rates in like the eighties. There was a period of time where interest rates were at like 18%, like credit card rates. Oh my God. Yes. So imagine if you had a mortgage that was even 100000 and you're, you've got 20% interest rates. That's insanity. So everybody has their struggles. Different struggles for different times. I'm not trying to say that they had it easy. But to go to school for 5000 to get a job paying fifteen to buy a home at a hundred, that math makes sense. There's There's some like nutrition in that. There's a way to find success there. Nowadays for young people, oh God, what are you looking at? Like 15, $20,000 per year for school. Some people are leaving with maybe 15 grand in debt, 50 grand in debt, a hundred grand in debt, $150,000 in debt. I was 46 grand in debt after there you university. Go. And then some people that maybe had additional schooling or if you became you know doctors or engineers or lawyers or things like this maybe it's two hundred thousand dollars in debt or things of this nature and oftentimes people are fifty thousand dollars in debt to get a job paying thirty to forty five thousand to buy a home that's six hundred thousand and that math does not add up right how long do you have to work to pay off your school debt before you can even get to a place where you can save for the down payment on a home, the math just simply doesn't add up and in you, many instances. Who wants to be house poor when they actually get to the point of purchasing a home? Yeah. And this is why in our parents' generation, a lot of baby boomers who were the children of World War II era people, our grandparents just had like lived through the most tumultuous time in all of history. Their kids now, it was like, just get a job, you know, go to school, get a job, get a home, start your family, simple, you know, just, and you're in peacetime, you're happy, you're healthy. What more could you possibly ask for? But then in our generation, a lot of people are saying, well, we can ask for a lot more than that. Cause we don't want just the old cookie cutter, go to school, get a job, get a home, start a family rinse, repeat, turn 60, get cancer at 70 and kick the bucket at 75. 
we can see how this has played out for all of these different people. And many people get to 50 or 60 and look back with regret saying, oh, I wish I had done more of this, or I wish I had traveled there, or I wish I had tried starting that business. So our generation now is way more geared towards experiences, right? People wanna go and experience things. It's not necessarily as much about what you own, but it is what have you done? Where have you been? Did you try starting that business? Or did you try that blog? Or did you start a podcast? Or did you take that trip that you really wanted to take? Or whatever, right? Like mm -hmm. millennials are always accused of um, basically pursuing experiences and being entitled, right? Those are the, the things yes. that you always hear. They're just always after, you know, their next trip. They're off in Bali spending all of this money and um, we just value the experience of their life. Yeah, but we value experiences and uh, there's a lot that can be said for that. Mm -hmm. So here, here's my suggestion and something that is maybe just a little shift that can end up having a big impact. So um, it doesn't take much to slowly start building a better financial footing. And the first place to start would be looking at all of your monthly expenses. So putting rent, if you have any debt from school, or maybe there's OSAP loan payments or whatever that case may be, or loans back to the bank. If you have a car payment, if you have insurance, cell phone, anybody that's still with cable, if there's anyone out there that's still doing that. Um, your gym membership or your membership to that yoga club or whatever. All of your monthly expenses, add them up and then look at them and Assess if there's anything that you are currently paying for on a monthly basis that you don't care about that much, that you could live without. That if you looked at it and said, if that wasn't in my life, I don't really feel like I would feel a loss. There wouldn't be a major negative impact if that wasn't a part of it. Then you need to look at those things and cut whatever is not bringing you value or cut whatever is not um, necessary. That's that. Then the next thing would be, um, with your income that you get, so if you're talking about like your balance sheet, you see all of your expenses and on the other end of the spectrum, you have what's coming in on a monthly basis. It might sound like trivial or like trite or whatever, but even if, even if you say, I have no money to put aside, that's not true. You do have because that coffee or that one night out, even if you eliminate one night out per week times four, let's say 60 bucks a night, 240 per month, boom, you just got 240 bucks. Mm -hmm. So. Um, whatever that number is, even if it's $10 a month, I'm not joking, $10 a month, put it aside in either a TFSA, a tax-free savings account, or an RRSP, one or the other as a starting point. 10 bucks a month, that's fine. And you want to know what? If you start young, anyone listening to this that's in their 20s, even if you're putting away $5 a month, $10 a month, 50, 100, 200 bucks a month, that adds up massively right now versus waiting until you're 35 or 40 or 50 because it's building, it's gaining interest. Mm -hmm. It could be compounding interest where the earlier you start with anything, with any form of investment, the earlier you start, the more you're going to get out of it. So just do something. It doesn't have to be a lot, but just start it because it's just going to be in the background. You're not even going to be thinking about it. It just gets kind of parked aside monthly and you're going to look at that in a couple of years or three years or four years and be like holy shit look at that it's not bad so um 
then getting bringing it back into the real estate picture. So just for for people that are less familiar, and I'm no like I'm not an expert, but I have some fundamentals. So for people that are thinking one day I want to buy a home, but I need access to my money. I need my money to be fluid. I need, you know, maybe there is something that comes up that I'll need it for. Mm -hmm. Then a TFSA is the answer there because you can take out from your TFSA at any time tax free. So that money is liquid. It's freely available to you. So if you need to save, but you also need access to your money, put it in a TFSA and you can talk with anybody at your bank or you can do it through Wealthsimple or whatever the case may be, but it's not going to, um, it's not going to cost you anything to access your money and you're going to be putting it aside and at least making a little bit on it. For anyone that is interested specifically in real estate and they don't need access to that money while they're saving, you want to put it in an RRSP. So for myself and Karen, we had been contributing to an RRSP. And if you're a first time home buyer, you can basically empty your RRSP and put it completely towards a down payment for a new home tax free. Um, and normally you don't have access to an RSP, right? So if you put money into that, you can't just, you can't just take it out like a mm -hmm. TFSA. That's not available, but you can put it towards a down payment on a home and then you have to repay it back over a period of time. But it's the best way, um, to start saving money for a down payment on a home. Again, even if it's 10, 20, 50, hundred bucks a month, it all adds up. And at that point in a few years when... Um, you might be in a little bit more of a position to, to look at what's happening in the real estate market, then you're going to have a sneaky little bank of money that you've been quietly kind of stashing aside without thinking about it. And it's going to be there for you when you need it. And you can put that directly towards your down payment. So just start trimming the fat. Trim the fat. Yeah. How did you learn? Like, we don't learn this stuff in school. No one teaches us this. What? I've read books. I talk to people. I pick the brains of people that I know are good with money. I tried to learn from my parents. But like, in school... These are life skills yeah. that people should Did you learn have. about taxes in school? Absolutely did you learn about not. real estate in school? Insurance? Did learned, you learn about any of this stuff? I no? About, Mortgages? I learned about fashion, which I love. But in fashion class, I learned how to use a sewing machine. Granted, this was, I don't know, like... 20 years ago yeah so maybe sewing machines were still like the hot commodity. but how am i applying that in my everyday life now do you know I anything don't. about mortgages not really why don't we learn that i don't know i how don't about know. taxes i feel like taxes taxes are more important i think than mortgage rates yeah 100 percent. but i feel like maybe taxes aren't talked about because or not taught because if everyone learned how to be really sneaky and good with taxes then people just like the government wouldn't get as much tax revenue and so why would they build it into the curriculum to for people to know how to work around the rules better that's exactly but, why we just answered our own question so what's your goal for the next week as you're looking for a new place and we're going to hold you to it so next week when we meet again we'll see how everything is progressing for you um honestly finding a place so i want to find a place that i can just be comfortable in work in it's going to be my first solo apartment. I've always lived with a friend or an ex-boyfriend. Lesson learned. So I'm excited just to cement something. So hopefully I can put in a few bids. Also the bidding wars. Those are real. For rentals. People are going, yeah, they're getting into bidding wars. So either you offer um, a higher rate that they're asking for or you're offering more. 
So like the other day, I really wanted this condo and I offered five months rent right off the bat. Wow, like but a lump sum for the first five months. For the first five months Holy shit. instead of first and last month. Uh, my real estate agent was like, okay, let's go back to them with that. And apparently they already had two other bids that were better. I'm like, what does that even mean? What are they paying like a year up front? I, I didn't ask. I was just like, I can't. I can't wait. Better. I know. I can't. What I can't. What are you talking about? So, um, so the goal is to find a place um, that I can get approved on. That's pretty simple, right? In theory, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, In this theory. is not meant to be that hard. You're it like, is, though. I know. It's also but... hard to do it with a broken heart. So that's my other goal is to, like, move the F on. What are you going to do? Uh, just, I don't know. Write it out day by day. Read. I don't know. There's no answer to that. I'm just going to just try to stay focused on work yeah. and finding this apartment. Okay. Yeah, and maybe watch some Dr. Phil. All right, so next week when we're in here, we're going to check in on your real estate journey and on where you're at just in terms of um, kind of your state of mind. Amazing. Well, thanks for caring. Always. And everyone, thank you for listening. See you next time.